0: So the whole idea of incremental improvements is is really to get people to think smaller, Uh, you know, just to think about what steps can I take today? And so I really get people thinking more along the lines of, you know, when they wake up in the morning, you know, what one thing, what one thing are you going to do today to make your own life a little better? What one thing are you going to do maybe to make someone else's life a little better? And what one thing are you going to do maybe to make the world a little better? And by doing it that way, it's a, it's a little easier, a little bit more manageable than the whole idea of uh, you know going for that big goal and then you haven't really thought about all the steps it's going to take to get there.
1: Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. Stop financializing everything. What is true wealth? What's the right metric for success? Much of how we live presupposes that our incomes or spending is a good measuring stick. But can you really quantify success with a bank balance? Or should we include softer things like learning and love, generosity and gratitude, and happiness and well-being? Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast, where we seek advice to help us lead wealthier lives and extend success to a wider community. And now, your hosts, Jonathan Dio and Terry Schauer.
2: Welcome to episode three of the Mindful Wealth Podcast. Today, we talk to financial planner and author, Mike Brodsky. Mike's book, Incremental Improvements, is really a delve into how the little things that we do every day can have either a virtuous or a negative effect on our long-term goals. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Mindful Wealth Podcast. We're gonna be hearing from Mike Brodsky today uh, on the topic of incremental improvements, which is a personal favorite of mine. So I'm very excited for this conversation. Mike is a financial planner and he's actually written a book called uh, Incremental Improvements. So we're going to get into that a little bit today.
0: Hi Mike. Hi Terry, how are you?
2: I'm good. Jonathan, you wanna kick us off with the first question?
0: Absolutely,
3: Mike, uh, just, this is, the, you know, this is the easy one, right? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you came to write the book, and uh, you know, what is it in your life that made you really consider this incremental improvements?
0: Absolutely. Uh, I've been a financial advisor since 1997. Uh, and uh, what really got me into writing the book was when I started as a financial advisor, and I found that I was doing uh, meetings, whether it was a 401k enrollment meeting, or meetings with clients, or potential clients, I found that a lot of times they were asking me questions about things that were uh, completely unrelated to money, completely unrelated to financial planning. They had other questions about other aspects of their lives, and I found myself uh, back when I was with my my previous brokerage firm, uh, Smith Barney at the time. Uh, I was taking notes on some of the conversations that I was having and trying to put sort of these messages onto. Uh, uh, into print or on my computer, I would sort of type up uh, the messages that I was delivering on a regular basis. People were asking me questions about uh, different issues, and I would find myself just trying to craft those messages and, and uh, putting those messages on you know, paper or really on a computer screen and just trying to keep improving those messages to make to, to be able to deliver them better each time I delivered them and uh when i was at my previous firm i really never could have written the book it wouldn't have been allowed i was wasn't allowed to have outside business activities i know you spent a brief period of time with that company so you know that jonathan but um uh, when our team moved over to a different company we moved over to Ameriprise financial and i found out that i i could write a book Uh, i just had to get all the the approvals from our corporate uh, compliance department and from finra the, the industry regulators But uh, I I figured that I had sort of written enough of these notes that there seemed to be a book that was kind of developing. And that's really uh, where the incremental improvements book uh, sort of came from. And this is sort of the the product right here. But um, uh, it was really just a matter of kind of going back and looking through those notes and trying to put together that that book. And and this is what came out of that process.
3: So it's interesting, the story you tell about, uh, incrementally improving the message yes. to your clients to answer their questions yes. is the topic and the substance of the book.
0: <laughs> it's very very meta, isn't it? It is. But it's so totally awesome. meta.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. and I'm familiar with that. It's great.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, your book is is a great concept as well. I mean, come from a Buddhist sort of a philosophy and share that uh, that message is I also found very intriguing as well. Uh, there seems to be a lot of overlap in terms of the kinds of themes that we both talk about in our our books, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's definitely the the, the book itself is a process that uh, yes was incre- incrementally improved over a period of time.
2: Like why incremental improvements? Like let's say I'm a financial planner, or let's say you know in my field in, in real estate, like we our clients ask us a lot of questions. We have a lot of things that are sort of recurring, but why incremental improvements? Why not something else?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to financial planning, and hopefully Jonathan will back me up on this, um, you know, we're talking about something that is very long-term oriented, right? And sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming to try to take a look at the ultimate end goal. And the whole idea of incremental improvements, I mean, certainly it's not my concept. It certainly exists in other, other Formats. I mean, certainly the Japanese philosophy of Kaizen is the same, or this is also known as uh, marginal improvements or even baby steps, the concept that uh, uh, people are familiar with as well, especially if you're a fan of the movie, uh, What About Bob? So um, the incremental improvements was really just a way to kind of encapsulate some ways to think about all these things that we're all trying to accomplish in different aspects of our lives, not just the money aspect, but health or diet or exercise or relationships or career and so on and so forth. I mean, in in my book, I do kind of break in, break out into all these different chapters on different subjects and kind of show how to use this kind of an incremental improvements uh, strategy to achieve a lot of different goals. So certainly for real estate, um, uh, you know no nobody becomes a, a real estate mogul overnight. It's got to come from the first real estate deal that you put together and then move on to your next deal and and, and it's sort of taking those steps and then along the way, put all of this stuff together and all of a sudden you really have something there right so I, I guess another way to think about it you know I know we're getting close to the end of the year, and a lot of people will probably start thinking about their new year's resolutions and if you think about the incremental improvements concept especially as it relates to new year's resolutions uh you know the statistic that i had heard was that 80 percent of all new year's resolutions will have failed by groundhog day now does montreal have the groundhog day or yeah, yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. Just, okay <laughs> but so, so basically you know people give it about a month and all of a sudden they've just given up on their new year's resolutions and a lot of times it's because they're they're just it's they're overwhelmed you know they come up with this new year's resolution like i, I want to lose 30 pounds, or I, I want to I be a millionaire, or, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, wh- whatever the, the, the goal is that they're trying to accomplish, it can be so overwhelming that they realize, I'm just, I'm hardly making any progress here. Uh, the heck with it, I'll, I'll try again next year. And so the whole idea of incremental improvements is, get, is really to get people to think smaller, uh, you know, just to think about what steps can I take today? And so I really get people thinking more along the lines of, you know, when they wake up in the morning, you know, what one thing, what one thing are you going to do today to make your own life a little better? What one thing are you going to do maybe to make someone else's life a little better? And what one thing are you going to do maybe to make the world a little better? And by doing it that way, it's a a little easier, a little bit more manageable than the whole idea of, uh, you know, going for that big goal and then You haven't really thought about all the steps it's going to take to get there. So, uh, you know, for someone who says, "Oh, I I want to drop thirty pounds," okay, great. Well, let's figure out, you know, how can you cut maybe a hundred calories out of your diet today, or you know, what what substitutions are you going to make in your diet to get uh, a little closer to that ultimate goal? You're not going to lose thirty pounds overnight. Doesn't happen. But on a day-to-day basis. How can you just kind of little, maybe just tweak your diet a little bit to lose the weight over a longer period of time? So maybe at the end of the week, if you've lost a pound or two, terrific. And then another week goes by and you lose another pound or two, that's great. Uh, or certainly in the financial planning realm, you know, nobody becomes a millionaire overnight unless they buy the right lotto ticket. And barring that, it's really just a matter of getting people to get into the habit of saying, okay, I'm going to save 20 bucks a paycheck. And then you try to get them to the point where they're saving maybe 50 bucks a paycheck and just get them to keep taking those little steps. And if they do it long enough, eventually they should become a millionaire, but it's not going to happen overnight. They really have to be realistic about, about how long it takes and to achieve that ultimate goal. It's a matter of taking all the little steps along the line.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great answer. And I think what I love about that nugget you just shared with us is that there's really two things. One is the size of the goal and the fact that if you set yourself these big goals, which I think all of us have big long-term goals, if you just see that it's not happening in a week or two weeks, it's easy to get demotivated. Sure. You know? So I think that's, that's, you know, one, one great thing. Um, the other thing, and it's kind of segues into my next question is a little bit about instant gratification. So I think there are a lot of choices that we make small choices that we make every day where we're making the wrong small choices. So I think diet is like a perfect example, because if you just say, okay, well, I'm going to eat that extra cookie or I'm just going to have seconds, or I'm just going to make one small choice. That seems like something that I'm doing in a very short term way. So Mm -hmm. we all have this motivation or like an incentive to go for what's Pleasurable in the short term, and maybe not understand how that adds up to long-term big gains or big losses. So I don't know. Would you have some kind of advice for people how to, in the moment, make virtuous choices that keep us on track with our goals?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's that's a great uh, a great example of, of how this kind of a philosophy really can work. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to to diet or what we're eating. Um, you know, the one thing that I, I, I mentioned in the book is, is this whole idea that if, if the diet that you're currently on requires you to give up most of the foods that you love, or if it requires you to really dramatically change the kinds of things that you're eating, chances are you're probably not going to stick with it, right? Because you, all your life you've been eating a certain way, and then, you, you know, all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to start this new diet where I'm not gonna eat any carbs, I'm not gonna eat any sugar, I'm not gonna eat this, I'm not gonna eat that. And, and the reality is, within a matter of days, you're gonna be craving all those things, right? I mean, you're go- that's exactly what you're gonna to wanna to eat because the diet says you're not supposed to eat it. And if you eat that stuff, you're gonna fail in your diet. So what we try to get people to think about is, okay, you've already been eating a certain way all your life. How do you make certain changes just on a day-to-day basis so if you want to have that cookie that you mentioned, have the cookie, but don't have seven of them, or you know, maybe just have even a few bites. Maybe you don't have to eat the whole cookie, and at least you're sort of getting a taste of that, that cookie that you like, or other, it kind of works with other foods too. Obviously, you can't be binging on all these foods that you know are bad for you, but you don't have to necessarily cut them out completely. You just have to be realistic about how that fits into your overall diet and how that's going to impact your ability to maintain your health, right? So you just have to make the decision if it's important for you to ultimately remain healthy, to ultimately lose weight, you have to be aware of all the steps and all the actions that you take and and the impact that it's going to have on your health or on your weight. So we're not saying never touch a cookie again for the rest of your life. We're just saying, if you're gonna eat a cookie once in a while, you know, it could be a nice little treat once in a while. You don't have to necessarily eat the entire cookie, uh, and you, but just be aware of how many cookies you're consuming over a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think people people need to really think about uh, the impact of all of the actions that they're taking, and also what are they willing to commit to, because if, if people are not willing to commit. Uh, to making any changes in their, their life or any changes in their diet, then none of this is going to work. But if people can, are willing to commit and say, okay, you know, in the past, I've, I've, maybe I was eating too many fried foods. I'm going to make concerted effort now to cut back on the amount of fried foods that I consume. Or I'm going to make concerted effort to cut back on the amount of sugar I'm consuming or whatever. I mean, we all kind of know what's good for you and what's bad mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So we're not necessarily saying, give up everything that's bad, but at least be aware if you're going to eat some of those bad foods, eat them in moderation, be aware of the ultimate impact that it's going to have uh, on your, your health and on your diet. Mm
2: -hmm. But what do I, what do I do when I'm in the moment and I just really want to do whatever thing is bad for me? You know, and like, we're talking about about diet, but like, let's put this more into like, let's say a financial planning context or like something, you know, I really want to buy the latest thing and I'm going to get off track with my saving goal if I do that. But there's always a little excuse in my head of why should I listen? Like, why is this time different? Why is, should yeah. this be the exception? And then I'm trapped in this instant gratification cycle.
0: Right. So, um, you know, I think the one thing that it's important, I think it's important for everyone to come to terms with the fact that life is really about the choices that we make along the way, right? So you gave some interesting examples about sort of the short-term instant gratification, You know, hey, I need that hot new little toy or device or whatever. I mean, right here, I, I'm looking right here at my, my new iPhone 12 that just arrived yesterday and I just got it all set up <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. But I think we all have uh, certain choices to make. And ultimately we just have to be aware of the consequences of our choices. So we're not necessarily saying, I'm certainly not saying that you have to give up uh, every pleasurable experience or every little toy or gadget that you might want, but you just have, just have to be aware of the consequences of those actions and how it will then impact the bigger picture. So, you know, if, if you are spending a few hundred bucks on that thing that you just have to have right now, how's that going to impact your bigger financial plan. I mean, you might be able to make up for it later on. And again, maybe you figure out, okay, well, if I spend on this, here's a way I can cut back and save a few dollars by doing something else. But hopefully people are thinking about really what they're willing to commit to, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and and really thinking bigger picture, thinking about the longer term consequences of all of their actions. And, uh, you know, people have different priorities. So if it's, if it's a high priority to get that piece of clothing or that, gadget or that new car, and that's a really high priority for them, okay, you don't necessarily have to deprive yourself, but just be aware of what the consequences are if you make that purchase.
3: It's, I mean, this is, this is uh, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the context of, of what you do every day. Yes. I think that the, what we need is context, and yes. and that context becomes so critically important, and the thing that provides the context in your financial lives is that plan that we write out. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd love to hear from you about the, um, the compounding effects of incremental improvements. You know, the yeah. idea that these small improvements stack over time. And when you yeah. factor those small improvements over 10, 15, 20 years, and you get a chance to pre-experience that in a financial plan, um, yes. I, how, does that, how does that actually help you make better trade-offs?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, for the for the people that we're talking to, you know, the, for our clients. Um, sometimes it can be very hard to grasp that concept, but I think if you give examples, uh, people sort of will understand how, how that can have an impact. I mean, a great example, you know, certainly for my own, uh, career has been, you know, now that I've been a financial advisor for about 23 years, roughly, uh, you know, there were people that I might've spoken with a couple of decades ago about their 401k and you're trying to get them excited about the idea of putting some money aside in their 401k plan, Uh, you know, especially if there's like a matching contribution, they're getting free money and try to explain why this makes sense. And it's free money, how can you turn away free money? And it's almost like you're twisting their arm, but you get them to agree, okay, fine, I'll put 20 bucks a paycheck into my 401k. But what's interesting is then to see the really the impact, you know, because then years later, some of these same people would come back to me, and say, you know, Mike, I'm so glad you told me to start putting money in that 401k, because now I've got all this money that's sitting in there. And if you hadn't told me, I never would have gotten here. So it, it, that's a great example of how, you know, just that little baby step can have such a major impact over a long period of time of 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And it's the sort of thing that I think if you, if you explain it to people, they, they, they intuitively know it. They, they intuitively understand how that compounding works but you do have to get them to take that initial step and that's why sometimes it's, it's so important to take that little to, to really just to convince them to take that little tiny baby step which doesn't seem like a lot but obviously over a longer period of time they start to see the effect they, and and each year as you go back and you revisit the progress that they're making they start to get it and then they're able to take that next step and then the next step after that and they just keep working towards that goal, and now they're they're hooked, they're already on on board with the program, and hopefully they'll continue on that path.
2: Yeah, great. Um, I uh, have a question, and it's actually directed sort of at both of you, Um, because I wonder, like, so you guys both come from the financial planning industry, and, you know, Jonathan wrote the book, Mindful Money, and you wrote the book, Incremental Improvements, do you feel like there's an overlap in those two philosophies? If you want to say, could you maybe outline what you think the overlap is?
0: Both of you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're happy to take Jonathan, you want to go first? You want me to take oh, You them? go ahead. You go. OK. So th- there definitely is. I mean, I mean um, Jonathan's mindful money, it was interesting because he obviously covers a lot of, of the same ground that I cover. Um, in terms of the kinds of things that he's talking with his clients about. I think, you know, and and certainly um, getting people to think about, you know, aspects beyond just the money is is something that is very important. Um, You know, my approach of incremental improvements is almost sort of um, kind of getting people to buy into the concept of just starting small and just kind of building over time. Uh, Jonathan is, is... takes the uh, kind of the Buddhist approach of, of sort of getting people to, uh, to be more mindful about what they're doing and, and the steps that it takes to get where they're trying to get to. Uh, and, um, you know, even, even though it's, it, it's different approaches, there's definitely a lot of overlap in terms of the ground that we're covering, in terms of the financial planning elements, the health and mindful uh, elements of it. Uh, what would you add to that, Jonathan? Yeah.
3: I actually, so Terry, you asked a question earlier about, you know, how do you make, how do you help yourself make the virtuous choice? And I think that what mindfulness is, is the awareness in that moment that you're about to make the choice that pulls you off your plan. And so for me, mindfulness is always, and there's like, you know, there's, there's tons of different definitions of mindfulness. The the definition I always operate with is just a present moment awareness of, you know, your feelings, your emotions, and your senses. And non-judgmental awareness. So, and Mike, I'm I'm not going to give up my ice cream. It's it's not going to happen. Uh, right. But but, and this is my my father-in-law did this. I, I'd go to I go to my father-in-law's house, and he would have just one fork mark in the ice cream, just one bite. Yeah. So he has figured out that he's not going to give it up, but he just takes one bite and puts it away, and then the next yes. day one more bite. The next day one bite, and that's it. So you can. Right. So the idea is, you're, he's mindful. I had this issue with ice cream. Uh, and if I have too much of it, I will just eat more of it. Like it, it creates that craving. And how do I get out of that? Or spending my, my iPhone 12 is in the mail as we speak. I, you right guys.
0: <laughs> look, look, I have like very. It's very, it's very cool. Five. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. five? Yeah. iPhone five. It still <laughs> works? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it still works.
3: They support that.
0: Yeah. What well, yeah. do you know? Look, here it is. <laughs> That's great.
3: Yeah, so I, I think it's that it's that it's the awareness of the decision you're about to make, uh, and then yes. you can be aware of it, and then you can make the incremental improvement. You know, it's they they go hand in glove, hand you know hand in hand.
2: Yeah, yeah, that would have been. I mean, I wasn't sure exactly how you guys were going to answer that question, but if I were to think up a bridge between the two of your philosophies, that would have been it, because I feel like look, you know, my, my little example right now, I, um, tried to, um, weight watchers I actually put on like, a, like whatever, a couple of kilos during the whole confinement thing in Montreal. And my kid was at home, whatever. So I went on weight watch. like, okay, let me just see what this is. And then like, okay, you're saving the points and you're tracking everything. And then you become aware how every little thing you put in your mouth makes a difference. And, you know, coming from real estate, I feel like this in the real estate industry, when you're looking at acquiring properties, we don't deal so much in incremental decisions. I feel like the conversations that I have more with my clients are overcoming fear and indecision when they're about to make a big move. Because it's not really by not buying coffee at Starbucks every morning, that you're gonna end up making the big move to buy a million dollar property with good tenants, bad tenants, good part of town, bad part of town, like, usually you're making that decision with something that you've, you know, painstakingly saved or else capital you've raised somehow. And then people get very scared because they have to make kind of a big immediate decision. So it's like not something necessarily that increment lends itself to incremental thinking. Um, And so maybe for, you know, for that reason, I guess, like Mike, when I read your book, it really like, you know, turned some lights on for me, maybe not so much in my financial life since, you know, I'm more of a real estate person, but definitely like in the other aspects of my life where I see. Like, just the awareness in every minute of what is your behavior creating in all those tiny little things that that stack up over time.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, the the one thing about the Incremental Improvements book is it's interesting that when I talk to people that have read it, everyone seems to get something, in many cases, they get something different out of the book, right? Because there's so many different areas that are covered people will sort of apply that concept to their own lives and try to figure out what's, in, what's important to them, what have they been working on. And they're able to take that kind of a philosophy and kind of work it into their own life. So I think it's great. You know, maybe the financial chapter didn't necessarily resonate with you directly, but obviously it's had an impact in a lot of other areas of your life. And I think that's great. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I... So I'm just curious, like what light went on for you? I mean, with this, what, like, at what point in your life did a light go on in your mind and think, okay, this is really the thing that people need to keep their eye on. And this is really what I need to keep my eye on.
0: Um, you know, I guess I would go back to, again, early in my career, it's something that it was just a theme that seemed to keep coming up over and over again. I mean, I was, it was something that I think I was doing in my own life and, you know, having conversations with other people. It seemed like this was the way I was able to get people started on their own path towards usually something financial planning related, but uh, it, it just seemed to be so universal that it just kind of made sense to, uh, to take that theme and run with it. And uh, like I said, the book really just kind of grew out of the, the conversations that I was having with other people. I mean, the, the topic just sort of came, came up over and over as people were asking questions and uh, the incremental improvements, baby steps, philosophy, Kaizen, whatever you want to call it, uh, marginal improvements, um, that kind of a philosophy just seems to resonate with people. Uh, Cause it's a heck of a lot easier to get someone to do something really small that mm-hmm. isn't terribly difficult for them to, to do. Uh, Cause to get them to sort of, you know, think bigger picture or do something that's really going to be a dramatic change from what they're used to, that's difficult, that's hard, that's also not realistic. So um, that's really where it came from. I mean, so I guess it's something that I've kind of been incorporating into my own business and my own life for many years at this point. But uh, I'm just glad that other people have kind of picked up that, that concept and they're hopefully running with it.
3: So I'm, I'm curious about, and, I, and I want, I'd love it if you would comment on the interconnectedness mm-hmm. of incremental improvements. You, I think it's your chapter 20. Yeah. Um, just as a, as a quick, quick backstory in my own life, my financial success comes from a focus on my health. Right. I, I, I recognized at one point that I was, I, it was recognized as is kind of a loose term here. I was 290. Like I weighed, I, I, I tipped the scales at a pretty heavy number. And I, and I said, okay, I um, had a first child my second child was on the way and I said you know what I probably had to get this under control so I can be around for this for these kid to grow up yeah. um, and and when I did that I got my relationship with my wife got better my self-esteem improved my business improved like the interconnectedness of the little decision that every day I'm going to get up and go for a walk okay now I'm going to do a bench press okay now I'm going to do flexibility training now I'm going to do just incrementally improving things in my health improve everything in my life so can you talk about that interconnectedness
0: absolutely I think you and um yeah, because I think you, you mentioned something about the snow pants incident, I guess, is kind of what triggered you. <laughs> you, you, know, your, your, you read it.
3: Nice. <laughs> did,
0: yeah. So, uh, but I, you know, I think it's a great example because especially when you think about diet, I mean, the impact that that can have, I mean, even just the idea of cutting back on certain foods, your consumption of certain foods or just the quantity of food that you're consuming, there's obviously an economic impact that you're saving money by not spending on those foods that you were consuming before. So there's there's a financial element to that. Um, But then also it has an impact on your overall health, which also then can, if you're healthier, hopefully you're spending less money on um, different doctor's bills or, you know, expenses that are kind of related to poor health. So that also can have a financial impact. And if you also think about that too, if you're maintaining, you know, it may be because of you're healthier, you might look more attractive to other folks that can have an impact on your relationships that you're having with other people or your spouse or whatever. Um, so, you know, you think about the impact that that has. And then of course, if you're happier in your relationships, maybe that's all even carrying into your business, into your career. Uh, you know, you're going through the workday happier and a better mood just because you're having, you know, you feel better Uh, you know, emotionally your, your, your mindset is better. So, I mean, it can really have a a major impact on a lot of different aspects of your life. When you really start to take this kind of a philosophy and apply it, I mean, it can, it just spreads and grows and and hopefully it can even impact other people. So even, even beyond the impacts that that it would have for you as an individual, the hope is that some of the incremental improvements that you're making might even become contagious at some point and spread to other folks as well.
3: And it, it do you think so this is I'm, I'm this is not quite developed in my head yet, so I'm just trying to work through this so yeah. do you think that there's a psychological benefit in other words, it's a muscle this the idea of making incremental incremental improvements is a muscle that when we exercise we are better able to make future incremental improvements, and so there's a psychological switch that by by noticing um you mentioned this earlier, if I save 20 bucks a month, I can see the benefits of it. And then I can go, wow, what if I did 30? And it it doesn't really hurt me to do 30. What if I did 40? And you sort of, you sort of build that psychological muscle, The discipline comes easier. And and now you can make incremental changes in lots of places.
0: Right? No, I think you're you're absolutely right. Um, You know, the, the one thing that I had heard was when it comes to uh, forming habits, it takes something like, for most people, the average is it takes them about eight weeks to to make a habit uh, truly a permanent habit, right? So for someone who has been a couch potato all their life, that they've never exercised, and, you know, I guess an example of like a New Year's resolution that, you know, you might hear from somebody is, hey, I'm going to run a marathon, and this is the person that you know, they've been a couch potato all their life, they've never exercised, and all of a sudden they think they're going to run a marathon. Well, First things first. You maybe let's start by maybe just taking a little jog around the neighborhood, you know, and getting used to maybe just running uh, a little bit, and then you try to work your way up, uh, you know, day by day. Maybe you're running a little further. You work your way up to the point where you're running a mile, and then maybe three miles, and maybe five miles, and you're running you know, whatever. And eventually, you get to the point where you're able to run that marathon. But it, it's literally day by day, and it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you if you just jog around the block and then you never exercise again not going to do any good but if you do it every day by the time you hit about that eight week period now it's a habit now you're used to exercising every day and then if you do it for another four weeks on top of that another four weeks on top of that uh, eventually it's like you'll miss it if you don't run or if you don't exercise that day your body misses it it's because it's become a habit you've been doing it for so long it feels like something is something's missing if i, if I don't do that and it's the same with any other uh activity or any other habit, any other choice that we've made, once it becomes a habit, and again, it's just a matter of making that mindful decision to take something on, right to make it a part of your day. And then once it becomes that habit, it's yeah, it's a, it's a muscle. I mean, so you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, for the person that if they've been exercising every day for that eight weeks, okay, now they start thinking, what else can I do? Maybe I can, I can run a little further. Maybe I'll work. I'll, let me do something with my arms. I'll get some barbells uh, and start you know lifting. And, and uh, maybe I'll get the, an exercise bike too or something like that. They start all of a sudden adding additional elements into that exercise program. Or in the case of money, obviously, the easy response is, you know, I'm going to save a little bit more each paycheck or I'm going to figure out some ways to, to Cut the Starbucks out of my, uh, my daily routine and save those dollars into my, into my retirement planning. Um, but yeah, once you, once you get used to it, it it's, it's definitely a muscle. It definitely becomes easier to take that next step, the next the next incremental improvement.
2: Yeah, I wonder um, if there's not also, you know you talk about the psychological compounding effect of incremental successes. And I think there's also something to do with success and failure. Because I think one of the reasons why we get demotivated is often because we feel like we're not succeeding at the very big goal we've set for ourselves. And if you're able to sort of build your confidence by having small little successes, that ends up creating precisely that virtuous cycle that you were talking about, where it spills into other aspects of your life. Like, for example, when you're able to stay on track with your big goals, your big health goals, your relationship gets better because you feel better about yourself. And then when your relationship gets better, then all of a sudden you have less conflicts in your life. Then all of a sudden you have more resources to be at work. And so it's as if like kind of this thing of, of labeling something in your mind, a success or a failure, like if all you can see is the huge goal, okay, I want to be a millionaire. And it seems like every day you get out of bed and you fail at being a millionaire, well, you get into like a negative psychological spiral where you think you're failing at something where actually the variable that's missing is the time variable. Because you are actually succeeding. You just don't realize you're succeeding. And like, you know, all of those things that are incremental, that respond incrementally are like that. Be it like weight loss. Like, okay, you lost half a pound this week. So you are actually succeeding at losing 30 pounds. It's just, you're missing a year.
0: Right, right. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, there's definitely that, that kind of an element there where um, it does take time for these changes to occur. And, uh, you know, certainly just because you have "Quote unquote failed at at one thing um, doesn't mean you should abandon completely and just give up. I mean, what it really means is, okay, how do I get back on track? You know, what? How do I reverse what I've been doing? Um, You know, I mean, Tara, you gave a really interesting example, and I think, especially in this time of COVID, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of, uh, you know, they they, they've gained the COVID nineteen, as they say, you know, that kind of thing. I think (laughs) it's, I mean, you know, but a lot of people have. I mean, you know. you know, so or not not even just that, but I think a lot of people have sort of gotten into some bad habits through through this pandemic. You know, they've been binge watching certain programs on TV or you know uh, some of these streaming services where they're just watching TV and they'll watch like you know twelve hours straight of a TV show that they they want to binge watch. And you know the, what they really need to do at some point is start questioning, is this really the best thing I could be doing with my time, or is there something else I could do here? Mm-hmm that might be a little bit more productive, a little bit more valuable to me in the long run, in the future. Um, you know, and I, I, I use that as an example because I know how many people have kind of, they've seen like every episode of Tiger King or whatever. I mean, yeah, all these different shows that, you know, really, is it really going to make that much of a difference in your life that you've, you've watched every episode at this, you know, this particular series? And the reality is there's so much great stuff, great content that's out there. I mean, I remind people that, especially in this pandemic if you do happen to have some extra time look at you know masterclass or coursera or udacity or even most of the ivy league universities right now are streaming many of their courses online for free and what a great opportunity you know with this free time some people do have some extra free time and what a great opportunity to learn something new you know, learn something useful, learn something valuable, whether it's learning more about real estate, whether it's learning more about investing, whether it's learning more about uh, nuclear physics or something like that, you know, you could certainly use your time to learn something new, Um, you know, and and, and I think that also can have an impact longer term in terms of opening up uh, future career opportunities, maybe triggering other business ideas. Uh, You know, certainly more valuable than just, you know, saying, oh yeah, I watched every episode of that TV show. (laughs) Um, So trying to make the most, and I think it's important for people to really think about, you know, all of these different uh, uh, things that are out there and just being mindful, being aware of how they're spending their time, how they're using their time. And is there a way they could make a little incremental improvement just to do something a little bit better uh, with their time along the way?
3: it, it strikes me a little bit, um, that you've, you've taken away my, uh, my, my YouTube comedy, uh, you know, addiction a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 work on, I'll work on that. So, uh, what- <laughs>
0: you watch, but again, it's, you know, do you, do you watch like five hours straight of this? Or do you watch like a couple of clips that people said, you got to watch this. It's pretty funny. That's fine. But it's when, when it becomes like you're watching, you know, you're sitting in your pajamas all day long watching TV, that becomes a problem. So.
3: So after my kid, my kids go to bed about you know eight or nine. Uh, Eli goes to bed later than that now, so he's usually up when I'm doing this. But I'm sitting in the corner chair in my living room, and he goes to bed. My wife goes to bed. Annie goes to bed. It's like two in the morning now, and I'm like, oh my god, I've been watching just like just, it, ha- it. doesn't happen often, but it happens where I'll be like, you know, I gotta I gotta rein this in. Um, so
2: the we- you, the YouTube spiral is real, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right.
3: And there's infinite content. Infinite. infinite infinite and then oh, they just become
0: like if you've been watching these videos they know what's the next one we should put up keep you hooked for another three to five minutes yeah
3: but but the, the interesting thing about it though is is you know one of the things that I did to motivate myself you know after the I think you called it the ski pants incident which I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down I'm gonna use that <laughs>
0: uh,
3: is I watched I found a youtuber his name is um, Eric Thomas ET the hip-hop preacher and I would go on and watch him, and he had like five or six minute videos, and it was all motivation. It was like, you matter, you can make this happen, you can do it, um, and that was really helpful. So if you find whether it's you to me or a course or a master class or something, you can do and learn and get yourself moving in the right direction. I think there's there's huge value in that. There's also there's also you know deep rabbit holes, but at the same time, there's huge value in some of these tools.
0: Yeah. No, there's definitely good content out there. Don't get me wrong, uh, You know, I, and for what it's worth, I, I haven't really talked about this yet, but I, I came from a television background actually. I used to be a TV news producer with the NBC affiliate in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, so, and I also worked with the America's Health Network. So I actually have a TV production background. And certainly there, there's way more content today than there was back when I was doing that in the 90s anyway. But, um, you know, so I, I don't wanna say anything negative or bad about TV, I'm a TV fan, I'm a movie fan, but like everything else, it's in moderation and I'm aware of uh, what the limits are and how much becomes too much.
2: Mm -hmm. But let me, so let me ask you a question, which I don't think, unless maybe I I didn't see it uh, outlined in the book, but what occurs to me is that in the idea of gaining awareness of the little choices that you make, I find that tracking is very useful it can also be really annoying but in terms of gaining awareness if you track what you're doing you're able to trace those incremental awareness mm-hmm. th- of, of what's going on you know so
0: yeah well that that is an excellent point i mean certainly with the financial planning that we often do with our clients we do obviously encourage them to, to put things down on paper, right? I mean, you don't want to just keep it up in your mind here and just hope that you remember it. You, you want to make it something that's physical, tangible, that you can touch. And certainly the same concept would apply to other goals. Um, you know, if, if your ultimate goal is something uh, related to exercise or weight loss, diet, et cetera, um, you know, be sure to put down, you know, what is the ultimate goal and then try to start breaking it down on paper maybe um, to figure out what steps it's going to take to ultimately achieve that goal. So, um, I would agree. I mean, it definitely helps to kind of make it tangible and make it something that you can look at over a period of time. Cause, uh, I don't, I know, you know, my memory is starting to go, I think to some extent. And <laughs> if you just kind of say to yourself, I'm going to remember this. And then a week later, what was I trying to remember again? you definitely want to have something tangible that that is permanent rather than just a memory in your mind that may fade mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would agree completely. You definitely want to get, get those goals on paper uh, and then really map out mm-hmm. how to achieve that goal. And, um, you know, and then work it into your calendar, whether you use your your cell phone or whether you, I'm still, a, I'm still a Franklin planner guy. My wife hates the fact that I'm still using my paper Franklin planner, but it keeps me, on target I mean it gives me my list of things to do and I'm able to kind of schedule everything in my Franklin planner it, it works for me so whatever system works for the people that are watching I would certainly encourage you to, to do something like that whether it's on your phone or whether it's a, a notepad or whether it's a Franklin planner or some other calendar system uh, I would encourage folks to do that
2: great yeah great advice Um, So I don't know if, uh, Mike, there's anything else you wanted to add. We're kind of, I think, at the end of our questions for this episode. Did you have any closing comments? Uh,
0: Well, you know, I will say for anybody who is interested in uh, kind of learning more, they want to check out the book. uh, Of course, it is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But if they do go to my website, incrementalimprovements.com, they can actually download the PDF version for free. So it's www.incrementalimprovements.com. Check it out. And then also, I'll I'll go ahead and give a plug because I actually have another book that's launching and it has nothing to do with what we've been talking about this hour, but I do have another book that's launching November 22nd. It is called Fourth Down and Dam, Alignment Story. The autobiography of Leon Searcy is told by Mike Brodsky. Uh, Has nothing to do with my, my work as a financial advisor or talking about incremental improvements. But the book is uh, actually a really interesting story about a a former uh, lineman who who played with the Steelers and the Jaguars and uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, So for any sports fans out there, please do check this out. This is worth reading. I know I I spent some time talking about like all the shows you shouldn't be watching. This book is worth reading if you're a sports (laughs) fan. Totally awesome investment of your time. Great story. Check it out.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, Mike, thanks so much for taking this time to talk to us and for being our guest today. And hopefully we're going to inspire people who listen to this show to make those little incremental changes and to not go into whatever unvirtuous spiral they could get trapped in. (laughs)
0: Let's hope. Well, Terry, Jonathan, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to episode three of the Mindful Wealth podcast, our interview with Mike Brodsky on the subject of incremental improvements. If there are two key takeaways from this episode, the first might be that we need to consider the time factor when we're evaluating whether or not we're succeeding at our long-term goals. Incremental improvements take time to stack up. And so every day when you feel like you're either succeeding or failing at your long-term goals, you need to really think about how those increments are going to stack up over time. The second takeaway has to do with consequences. All of the little choices that we make all the time have long-term consequences. It's just that we don't see the fruits of those efforts for really quite a long time. And that's again where the incremental improvements, the incremental steps that we take every day, stack up and end up producing the lives that we have. Once again, thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating and leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Jonathan at mindful.money, and you'll find Terry at terryshower.com. Their books, Mindful Money and Mindful Landlord, are available on Amazon. Look to the show notes for our guests' contact info and any links discussed in today's episode.